Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, just go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP10. This week on TWIP, it's a very special interview show with landscape, nature, and travel photographers Jay and Verena Patel. It's Monday, October 21st, 2013, and this is TWIP, episode 331. This week, it's a special how-to interview focused on landscape photography and planning the trip with my favorite spousal photographers, Jay and Verena Patel. But before we jump into the interview, I'd like to thank our first sponsor for this week, and that's Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. 10. Now, Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and all the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Squarespace starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Plus, Squarespace is commerce-ready to provide a powerful and flexible e-commerce solution so you can set up shop and start selling things quickly. Uh, Commerce is integrated to work with every Squarespace template, and it allows for sales of both physical and digital goods. For example, you could sell music CDs or MP3s or hardcover books or even e-books, and the digital goods are delivered via customized email links that expire 24 hours from delivery. A single-user interface for order management, tracking orders, providing customizable customer email updates. You can print shipping labels, and you can even manage coupons from this interface. They've got a global reach for your online store, as Squarespace Commerce now is now available in 10 countries. They're available in the United States, the UK, uh, Canada, Australia, Belgium, France, Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands, and Spain. You can start a trial with no credit card. You can just build your website. Then when you decide to purchase or sign up for Squarespace, you just use the offer code TWIP10, that's T-W-I-P-10, to get 10% off and show your support for This Week in Photo. And we thank Squarespace for their support. Remember, Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. 
Jay and Verena Patel join me to dive into some very specific specifics around how they manage and plan their frequent photography excursions to destinations around the globe. We discuss what to take with you, helpful tips on what not to take, how to be safe, and much more. All right, so we are here with uh, two TWIP regulars. I guess we can call them regulars now. It's Jay and Verena Patel, or would it be Verena and Jay Patel? I think that's the right way. Verena and Jay Patel. (laughs) That's right. uh, Two two globe-trotting photographers that are, A, amazing at how to travel efficiently, B, how to photograph locations and come back with the goods, and then C, how to train people on how to do what they did. And they've agreed to come on This Week in Photo to have a, uh, an in-depth conversation with me about what they do, specifically with regard to landscape photography and just how do you do that stuff? You know, how do you – I mean, anybody can go get a wide-angle lens and put on a tripod and go take some shots, but apparently there's more to it than that. So Jay and Verena, or Verena and Jay, <laughs> welcome to This Week in Photo. Thank you. Thank you Thank for having you. us again. We look forward to the show. And uh, I'll let Raina go on first and uh, I'll <laughs> go next. Wait, Jay, you already went first. How, how are you going like, well, to go first and then tell her that you're going to let her go first? You got me. <laughs> <laughs> nice try, though. <laughs> nice try. You know I would let that go by. So let's start with Verena. How about that? Verena. <laughs> Uh, before we dive in, and just for the the listeners and viewers of this show, I actually, Jay sent me an awesome outline, because he has a very technical brain there, um, of the kind of things they're going to talk about. So this is a comprehensive list of things to go through. Before we dive into this list, Verena, I want to just, for both of you, I want to get a, for the folks that may not be familiar with you, you guys, tell us who you, you are and what you do. All right, should, should I go first or should I let Jay tell me I'm going first while he goes first? <laughs> you guys, that's a marital right. thing. you got to work that out. I'm not getting in that. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to. Yes. Um, all right, so I'm Varina Patel. I'm a professional wilderness and landscape photographer. Um, I have four kids. Jay has two more, so between us we have six. It, it keeps us very busy. Our Saturdays are, at this time of year, absolutely dedicated to soccer. Um, we have tournaments. We have kids refing. We have, you know, regular games. And then, you know, we do go and do martial arts in the afternoons um, because we have... Um, how many now do martial arts? Just five? Yeah. <laughs> just just five of the six do martial arts now. So, That's crazy. You know, it's a little bit of chaos, but it keeps us busy, and um, we are never bored. So you're ever. a camera-toting, landscape-shooting, so, wilderness-photographing soccer mom. But that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, that's I, am, you know, I am the ultimate soccer mom. There you go. Well, no, wait. Well, what kind of car do you have? Is it a oh. minivan? <laughs> it used to be, but I got rid of the minivan in favor of a, uh, a little Honda hybrid, and and now so so now we have to take two cars everywhere, which is fine because we could never all be in the same place at one time anyway. Yeah, you that know, was your justification to get rid of the minivan. I understand. That's, how that's right. <laughs> oh, I hated that thing. Oh. Trust me, I hate them on the road too. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, they're <laughs> awful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I'm a mom. I'm a photographer. I spend as much time as possible out in the wilderness, and um, yeah. Oh, we write eBooks. We teach workshops. We yeah. do um, webinars and seminars and. Da, 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 so you guys are the on. ones to watch. Yeah. I swear, you guys, I mean, the 
not so much the, the juggling all the the different things that you have in the air, but just if you abstract all that stuff away, just the fact that you guys are like the consummate photographer content creators. You're creating content. Yeah. Like the photography and then educating and doing the distribution of that on your website and ebooks and all that stuff. So congrats on that. That's awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. We love it. All right. And who else is on the show? Uh, oh, Jay. Oh, thank you for oh, coming yeah. back to me, Brad. I remember that next time you go to Shushi. There you go. So uh, that was your punishment. You're in the penalty yeah. box for a minute. <laughs> I am uh, I'm a landscape photographer. And um, like right now, I run around chasing kids, and uh, sometimes the kids are running around chasing me. Um, True. But um, we do a lot of workshops. We write, we have written about, I think, about 19 or so ebooks, and we do create a lot of content, like you mm -hmm. suggested, Fred. Our blog is very active. If you go there today, we just redesigned my blog site to look like a magazine now. It doesn't look oh. like this traditional blog like a boring old stream where you have to go through pages and pages to get to things. That's cool. So, and, and that uh, design will carry over to my blog before long. We, we do it on his blog first, or his website first, and then we, we uh, put it on the other because we want to make sure that there's never a dead moment. You know, we don't want to lose anybody. One of, them, one of the websites goes down the other way. In other words, right. you like to beta test it on Jay before you actually roll it out on yours, is what you're saying. Yep. <laughs> I got That's it. That's the way it works. Yep. I got it. I got it. Jay, you're the uh, you're the settlers. You get to settle first. Or you're like the Marines. You go in first and then Marine. <laughs> Marine I comes in. Everything and then, but if it's not clean and tidy when it gets to my site, <laughs> it's not good enough. Love it. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into the discussion. First on the list here to talk about is location selection and how to select a location to photograph. And just to set this up, um, I think this is a this as you both know, this is a huge part of photography because I think a lot of photographers, especially the amateurs and advanced amateurs, even you know they'll go out and they'll they'll build this amazing kit of stuff to shoot with. And then, you know, it'll kind of sit in their bag or they'll pull it, out, pull it out and polish a lens or they'll take it out and then, you know, maybe go someplace around the neighborhood that's uninspiring and uh -huh. then kind of lose that energy about photographing. Whereas if they just kind of transplant themselves into an unfamiliar location, things start happening. It gets exciting again because you have to kind of figure out how to capture this thing and you're not going to see it every day. So, Verena, let's start with you. So, when you guys are looking at um, potential places to photograph, do you, and I know we talked about this a bit before in a previous interview, I want to cover it again. Do you guys have this giant map and you throw darts at it? Or yeah. <laughs> is it more is, is it more methodical than that randomness? No, it is. It's very methodical, actually. We do have a giant map, but we don't throw darts at it. Um, we use it for the kids, you know, for yeah. geom or geography. I said geometry. You don't throw darts at the kids. No. <laughs> Not very often. Okay. Only, <laughs> only, only when do something really bad, then the darts come yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, there are days, but no. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we actually, um, before, we, before we travel, we're not actually looking at where we want to go um, first. That's, that's not our, our biggest priority. Mm -hmm. What we do first is consider the, the time frame where we can travel. So, you know, we, we have all kinds of obstacles we have to work around in our, in our daily schedules, in our daily lives, and we look at the time frame that, that is available to us. And at that point, that's where we decide where we're going to go because where we go depends on the time of year. If we have an opening in the middle of July, 
there are a lot of places we do not want to be in July. There are a lot of places that are great in July. And so we'll look at, um, you know, the, the Rocky Mountains where July is beautiful um, and, and places like that where we're going to get exactly what we want, the, the location at its very best that time of year. We get a lot of people who say, I want to go to, um, you know, Yosemite and I'm going to go in January. And that's awesome. Yosemite is actually awesome in January, but you you need to know what you're up against if you're going to go in January. <laughs> you yeah, know, and, and you need to know what you're up that, against no matter where it is. And the fact that, you know, all national parks here in the United States are closed right now, they're not going to be going to Yosemite <laughs> anytime soon. But that's there a different is that. show. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's a, a whole different. Di- oh my gosh. But for us, the location <laughs> never. Uh, for us, the location never. The trip never starts with a location. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. It will never start begin with a location. It always. That's not the most important variable. Yeah. yeah. It always. But how do you, how do you work that though? I mean, you know, there's one thing. Like for me, if I'm, I've been a fair amount of places around the world, around the country, whatever. So I kind of know from a thirty thousand foot level where it might be okay to go to during, you know, for a certain part of the year. Mm-hmm. But there are millions of other nooks and crannies around the planet that I would never know about. How do, you, how do you guys find those? Looking at some of the shots on your site, I'm like, how do they even know about that? You know? how, well, do you, how do you do that? We, we do our research in that area. Yeah. We, we look at Google Plus or uh, Facebook and look at other photographers' stream. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we get this question a lot. So if you go to our website, we've put together a map called Photo Locations. Oh, cool. And okay. It is actually pretty cool. It's an interactive map where you can click on a pen. It will bring up a photo of the location. If you click on the photo, it will actually bring up a write-up on our website that explains when and how we got the photo. Okay. So cool. it, so it actually, deconstructs it. Yeah, it actually goes back, and you can actually pick it from a location. So what we do is we search um, locations that we don't know about. We will look at photographs. Say, for example, if you're going to Australia, which we haven't been to, we look at other people's photographs from Australia. Mm-hmm. And then the other variable, a big factor in Australia is weather. We look for certain weather patterns that we would like to see when we go to location. The mm-hmm. other variables besides weather are tidal conditions. What kind of beach they have. If we are going to say part of Australia, that's Sydney, we will say, what kind of beach is it? Is it beach which is shallow or is it rocky beach? Mm-hmm. And if it is, then we will look for certain tidal conditions. Mm-hmm. We'll also look for things like um, when the moon rise, when is the moonset timings? Mm-hmm. And what is the climate of the condition like where we want to go? If the climate is for... not... Sorry, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead, Jay. I was going to say, climate... we're also... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to fight this one out now. Go yeah. ahead, Jay. I'll, I'm I'll, seeing where this is going now. But. I'll chime in when you're done. I'm sorry. <laughs> so if the climate is not conducive for that time of the year, um, we will avoid that location. Now, the, the, the reason for climate not being conducive could be limited access. For example, um, you, Yellowstone is great to photograph in winter. However, the access is restricted. Mm-hmm. So you need to know how to get inside the park. How now, how much how deep do you niche down into the research? For example, using you mentioned Sydney. So say that you you have been to Sydney before and you decide, hey, we want to get an iconic shot of the Opera House there. 
you know, there's one thing to say, okay, it's good to get that shot in fall or spring or whatever, so we want to get that shot then, but do you niche down into, okay, like you mentioned, tidal levels? Well, we want to get it when the tide is high so that we can get these reflections and this kind of thing, and, and, and then once you do that and you're ready to travel, do you then check the weather for that week? Like, mm-hmm. how, much, how much detail do you get into your research? Well, I think, I think we should start by saying probably we're not going to be shooting the Opera House. We're going to be getting as far away from Sydney itself, you know, the city That's center. Possible. That Opera possible. House has not been photographed before. Come it's, on. Yeah, yeah nobody has well. ever photographed it, so that's true. That, yeah, yeah that changes things. But, yeah. but no, we're, we're more interested in, you know, wilderness. We want to get away from where the people are. There are lots of photographers who love that, and it's great. It's just not where our heart and soul are. You know, yeah. and so we're going to first of all try and get out of the city. We're going to look for areas away from the city. But then at that point, you know, we, we do, we start looking into all the things that Jay uh, mentioned. We also look into um, altitude. We look into um, topography of the area. If there's a big mountain in, uh, on the, uh, um, near the horizon, we're going to end up with a later you know, sunrise or yeah. an earlier sunset because it's going to go behind that mountain earlier than we thought. So, you know, it's things like that. It, it does matter. And we are, are you guys using any software to help with that? Because I know there's there's a bunch of apps out there that help you predict or not predict or measure exactly where the sun is going to be setting, what time the sun's going to be setting, and all that, so that you can say, we need Jay, we need to be right here at 6 p.m. to get the shot that we're thinking. Do you guys go to that level? No. Because you can go to that level and then you go there and you find out it's completely overcast. Yeah, right. I mean, because yeah, those the apps, of course, don't take right? into account current weather. So, those apps can be very useful. You know, we're not suggesting that you shouldn't use them. If they work for you, that's correct. great. But we do a lot of our research online. We make sure we know well in advance when the sunrise and sunset times, moonrise and moonset times are going to be. And so when we get there, all that information is already in our heads. And then at that point, we need to be, um, we need to know uh, the variables that are going to change all of that, that are going to shift where we set up, what angle we shoot from, and all that. Um, you know. Jay and I agree that the the apps are great. They do offer wonderful information, but it's just not enough. No. We take information from all different sources. I mean, we're looking at websites that are are telling us the uh, the foliage, how the foliage is doing in any given location at a certain time of year. You know, so if we're shooting in the fall, which is obviously the next thing, right? Yeah. Um, we want to know if Colorado is better better this week or maybe Maine. All right. This show is also brought to you by our friends over at Audible.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. And for our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. And, you know, instead of just recommending one book for you to check out, I want to give you a list. So here's the deal. I am jumping on a plane tomorrow to fly to New York city for photo plus expo as i record this by the time you listen to this i will either have gone and come back or maybe there when you're listening to this but i thought i would share with you the listening list that i put together and put in my phone for the trip 
Now, this is a list of uh, there's a bunch of books here that I'm going to rattle off, but this is w- literally what's in my phone today for me to listen to, and these are mostly motivational, productivity, and business type books. So if you're interested in motivation, being productive, and making money, then you want to probably at least download one or two of these. Okay, so here it goes. Here's Frederick's listening list for Photo Plus Expo. And all of these came from audible.com, by the way. Okay, here we go. Creating Customer Evangelists by Ben McConnell and Jackie Huba. Made to Stick by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. Free, The Future of a Radical Price by Chris Anderson. The Long Tale, Why the Future of Business is Selling Less of More, also by Chris Anderson. Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity by David Allen. Anything You Want, 40 Lessons for a New Kind of Entrepreneur by Derek Sivers. Crush It, Why Now is the Time to Cash In on Your Passion by Gary Vaynerchuk. Rework by Jason Fried, David Heinmeier, or David Heinmeier Hansen. Kaching, How to Run an Online Business that Pays and Pays, that's by Joel Kamm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, What the Rich Teach Their Kids About Money. Robert T. Kiyosaki is the author of that one. The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas, Thomas J. Stanley. The Four Hour Work Week by Timothy Ferris. And finally, Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. He's the guy behind Zappos. So that's my listening list that's taken up a lot of space on my phone that I'll be checking out um, while, I'm, uh, while I'm in the air and on the ground and running around. And I've listened to all of these, by the way, already, but I'm going to listen to them again because there's so much good data in here. If you listen to all these things, it's a guarantee, and I very rarely say guarantee, but I guarantee it's going to change your life. So definitely check them out. So like I said, if you'd like a free audio book of your choice, you can check it out, kick the, kick the tires and uh, you know check out one or more of the titles that I checked out. So grab a free one. The, uh, the URL to, to, to redeem that ad is audiblepodcast.com slash twip. Once again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash twip. The the trips that you guys on that you go on, do you treat them as mini vacations? Or in, in other words, when you're doing your research, are you looking for okay, yeah, we're going to shoot over there. We want to make sure we get this this wilderness area, but also there's some really cool restaurants there. So let's. <laughs> and I hear <laughs> during this time of year they have really good so and so kind of food. Do you care about that stuff, or is that just? Ancillary? I have to admit that. Usually, as we're leaving or when we're getting there, we're going, okay, where's the nearest sushi place? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but no. At um, Starbucks. No. We, yeah. we treat this as, we, we actually have to take it pretty seriously. We don't have a lot of travel time. We try and make the most of our time in the field, on location. And, you know, if that means we're eating gas station food for three days, then so be it. It'll yeah. be gas station food. And when we get home, we'll just, you know... Go get something good. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, Jay, okay, let, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. So still on this travel tack, right? So now I'm, you're, you've picked a location. You kind of know when you want to be there. The logistics of, of booking the trip, like how far out do you go? Like do, are you trying to book these trips a year in advance, six months, so you get the best fares? And do you have an airline or a service like Travelocity or Expedia or something that you're using to book these trips or travel agents? How, do, how does the travel piece of it go? <laughs> Jay is the travel agent. <laughs> yeah, I do most, uh, no. majority of the booking uh, he does. and research is done by mm-hmm. me. 
So I do most of the research. I do use Expedia. I do use Travelocity. Mm -hmm. um, one of the, the great things I like is um, uh, Google's flight tool search. Mm. Uh, so not a lot of people know about it. I haven't used it. Google's flight tool search? Yeah. So go to Google and just say flights, and there's a tool that comes up. And what it does is it lets you pick the cities and the dates, and it shows you fares from every single airline. And I love that because it gives you options to filter through without all the other junk that comes with Travelocity or Orbitz right. or something like that. How come I didn't know about that? I need to know about that. Well, there you go. You should have us on show more often. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. Done. What would you do without so, us? I know. I would be paying so, much more for my airfare. Yes, I think so. We, yeah. I, I love to use that. And, um, and I will check some local airfares as well, which like Southwest doesn't put up their airfares in uh, a lot of these sites. So I will make sure I compare against them. And um, we usually have a pretty good reward point program. So about maybe about every year or so, we get one one or two free trips oh, good. Uh, good. from all the travels yeah. that we do. But that that um, that pretty much sums up our travel. We usually book um, airlines around 90 days in advance. No, oh, hotel 90 days. Okay. It's a completely of... different story. What's that? What's a really different story? Hotels. Hotels. Now, if you're traveling to a places which are very remote and very hard to get to, we sometimes book hotels almost 10 months in advance. Mm. Wow. Yeah, they, they're full. You know, you, you yeah. have to book them before they're full. Yeah. You go someplace. Yeah. So you guys aren't yeah. doing the price line thing, right? Trying to get the, the lowest lowest fare at the last minute, right? You, no, you because you can miss it, that it way. right? You, and then uh, with the hotels is you have to remember your time when you go on the location, should be spent as much as possible shooting. Mm -hmm. So you can say, forget the hotel, I'll stay outside the park and drive three hours every day to go shoot somewhere. But that three hours are unproductive time. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we would rather pay $20 more on a hotel and have those three hours of shooting because ultimately what the goal is that on any given trip, you want to come back with as many good photos as you possibly can. Yeah. So, let, let, Verena, let me throw this this part of it to you. So you're there. Mm -hmm. So you, we've we've picked a location based on the seasonality, location, all that stuff. We know where we're going. We get there. We book the tickets in advance. We book, booked our hotel room. We know all this stuff. We're on site there. You guys are getting ready to go out on a trek day one. What happens that day? Is it okay? The night before, we're polishing lenses and you know making sure batteries are charged and all yeah. you know all this good stuff. And lenses then, are then polished. What? Batteries are charged before we ever get on the plane. That we do at home. We make sure everything's set up before we leave. Um, the night before, we're checking um, weather reports. We're checking um, double checking. Uh, sunrise and sunset times we're yep. we're considering locations probably the night before we're scouting locations with plans to shoot in the morning um, and when you know three o'clock rolls around we're up we're getting in the shower we always shower before we go out because we are crazy I guess and we like getting <laughs> up early I don't know but <laughs> we both prefer that so we're yes. you know I think it wakes us up a little bit yeah. and then you know and and the night before we're making sure we have food um, for the following day because chances are we're not going to be having breakfast before we go out and um, we're on location by 5.30, 6. It depends on when sun rises but we need to be there before uh, the sun 
is anywhere near the horizon. It should still be pitch dark when we arrive, ideally. And then we get out there and we find our spot. We're um, trying different compositions. We're scouting a location if we haven't been there before. A lot of times we have. We, we try and visit a location repeatedly to make sure that you know we are really familiar with it. Um, mm -hmm. That gives us a huge advantage when we arrive on location. If the sky is going nuts, we know exactly where we want to be if we've had a chance to scout before. So, and that's what we'll do on on bright sunny days, or um, you know, when when the light conditions are just not ideal. We'll be out there scouting locations, and um, we'll have our compasses out, and we'll be going, okay, the sun's going to rise here. Uh, it's going to set over there. This is a location that's best for sunrise. Um, but we could make it work with sunset if we get these particular conditions. Um, you know, we're talking about it, we're trading ideas back and forth, we're, we're out there with our cameras out looking through the lenses, trying different ideas. And of course, during those, those hours too, a lot of times we'll do detail photography, macro photography, things where we don't have to worry about a huge light. And all that's from from one location. So how do so when you when you guys go out, you're not saying okay, we're gonna shoot in that general area, whatever strikes us. No. Or do you go no. out and say we're gonna shoot from there? We want this is the shot that we are going here to get. Yeah. How does no, that? No, so no, we don't. no. We we uh, so to add to what Verena says, when we arrive, there is there are two factors that you have to consider. One is a long term factor that we already talked about: climate and sunrise and sunsets and moonsets and things like that. Mm -hmm. The other factor you have to consider, and this is one of the reasons why um, app usage for us is limited, is app usage gives you a long-term view that says, if conditions are that right, sun will rise at such and such angle. Mm -hmm. But what app usage doesn't give you is a local variability. Mm -hmm. So you can get there and say you run into a flood or you get there and there is so much rain or heavy overcast that you'll never see sun for six days that you're there. What do you do then? Do you just turn around and say, forget it, I'm going to be on social media trying to chat to Frederick and uh, his buddies? Yes. Or So what yeah. we do is we, the night before we go out and shoot, we look at the local condition, local variables that affect the photographs. And those local variables will determine what the next day's location would be. Okay, got it. So it's like a it's like a daisy chain thing there. The, yeah. Then when when you're out there, so you guys see you you're out there five six o'clock a.m. before the sun rises. How long are you there till sunset? And and during that, it's a two part question. Either of you can take this. So two part question. I'll you're there. Out. You're there. Yeah, you're there for that <laughs> for for whatever length of time. So tell me mm -hmm. what that is. And since you're you may be out in the middle of nowhere trying to get this shot, do you bring some food and drink or something with you so that you're not like at the end of the day shaking and trying to pick higher shutter speeds? Okay. I bring food. Jay does not bring food. I would Jay's care less. Okay. Yes, I can go all day without food and water. It would bother me at all. Yeah, and I would have to be carried home. I mean, there's no way. Um, so yeah, I, I think that. Um, that part of the question is is easy. Yeah, we bring food. We yep. assume that we're not going to be back. We have food in the car. We have extra food in our bags. Um, if we can carry, if we can leave leave food in the car, we do. Sometimes you can. If there are bears, you're not going to leave food in your car. But sure. um, there are times where we can do that. So, um, yeah, we we carry it with us. We carry water with us. We have extra drinks with us. We have 
extra gear, um, you know, hats and gloves and jackets, rain jackets, rain pants. You guys pants. are like ready. You're like military, ready yes. to go. Well, you know what? Because it's life and death. I mean, yeah. literally, you know, we joke about it, but seriously, we could die out there and we really need to come home. You know, I have yeah. kids. They, I, I can't not come home. You guys don't have kids. So, you have a tribe. I think there's yeah, a tribe. Yeah, we have a whole <laughs> tribe. It's true. A clan, a team. <laughs> but I think um, maybe maybe next show we'll go through what's what's in our camera bag we carry. Yeah. But we carry yeah. survival gear besides just we food and water. We have to do that. Yeah. Yes, we have to. And because um, we are not always like 10 miles from the trail head, right? But oftentimes right. we are 7, 8 miles from the trail head. And... If something happens to you, a blister or or a rain, heavy rain or a hailstorm. Or you get hit and, by an iceberg or something yeah, random and stupid yeah. like that. Yeah. Which we know has happened. <laughs> we agree that was that was the witch, right? So for uh, for that we uh, we carry survival gear, we have warm clothing, um, and we, we pack our backpacks in a certain way where it can rain or snow and for several hours we will be just fine without just, anything yeah. we can survive that so how long how long are we out there from 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. or from sunrise to sunset or an hour before to an hour after it depends entirely it depends. upon where we are um, there are times where I think I think really on average what we'll do is um, for a location that's relatively close to you know, humanity or civilization, um, we will go out, we'll shoot sunrise, we'll be out there for three, four hours, um, and then we'll move to a new location, maybe stop for breakfast if we're close enough that we can, um, maybe eat in the car or, or on the way. Um, we'll go to another location for the, the early part of the afternoon, a uh, third location for the later part of the afternoon, and a fourth location um, for sunset. And, okay. of course, it depends on the length of the day. Keep in mind that winter, we're really compressing that, and in summer, we're stretching it out. So, you know, the length of the day really matters. Sunrise, sunset times define where we're going to be at any, at any given time. Now, in, I, in, Iceland, oh, ahead, in Iceland, this is interesting that we actually just completely reversed everything. Oh, yeah. So we were in Iceland when um, the sun was up pretty much all night. It went down for about two hours and came back up again. So we would sleep. Uh, our schedule would be wake up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, mm -hmm. have something to eat and go out and scout locations, then come back, have dinner as if it was breakfast. Right. And then at 8 or 9 o'clock in the night, we will leave and the hotel. And we'll be out there shooting until 7 o'clock in the morning when they serve breakfast, where we will come back, eat 7 o'clock breakfast, and go to bed at 8 o'clock. Which was dinner, Since right? And then go yep. sleep through the day. Sleep and you know what? Day. It worked out beautifully. The thing is, your time zones are all messed up anyway. What difference right. does it make, you know? You're just but, eating when your body tells you to eat, right? Right. Well, and, yeah, and we, we did that for seven whole days. Yeah. Jeez. It just worked beautifully. It, it was yep. perfect. We're out all night. We're in all day. And, you know, the best part about it is you, you go to Iceland this time of year, and it's covered in photographers from yeah. end to end but if you're out in the middle of the night for some strange reason those photographers are nowhere yes. they're it's sleeping like because it's nighttime you know yeah. <laughs> but, nobody wants to drive them around 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. If you go during the day, it's packed. Every location is just packed. But if you go in the middle of the night, nobody's there. Even though that's when the sunrise and sunset are happening. And the sunrise and sunset are lasting for an hour or an hour and a half or two hours. That's crazy. Each, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was like five hours straight of perfect skies. That's insane, because normally here, what do we get? Um, about ten minutes? Ten minutes, or, yeah. Uh-huh. 10 minutes. <laughs> right, right. That's crazy. Because the, the angle of the sun was so low all day long, you know, you're, you're getting this, or, um, I, mean, I mean, all night long, sorry, you're yeah. getting this very slow, slow setting of the sun and the very, very slow rising of the sun. And the sun really ne- never gets so far below the horizon that there's no light at all. Even yeah. at the lowest point, a lot of times we had some color in the sky. That's crazy. Really cool. So when you, when you guys are out there, when you're doing this, on, uh, I know this is a loaded question, but on average during one of these jaunts, say for one day, how many usable pictures do you think you, you are hoping to get and how many do you generally come back with? I think we're hoping to get one. <laughs> we're okay if we get one, you know? All day? From like location. three separate locations? One good shot out of all that? Honestly, I think both of us would be okay with that. We're thrilled if we get 15, but yeah. that's not going to happen very And how much are you shooting? How many shots during that day, roughly? In a full day? Yeah. I don't know. Anywhere between maybe 20 and 100. Yeah. Wow. It Probably depends. Maybe. It depends on whether or not we're bracketing and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And you're, not, and you're shooting raw? Or... Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Just, just making sure. I'm just covering all bases here. We, don't um, <laughs> we don't take that many photographs as much. No. I mean, I really race photographs in the field if you don't find that there That's what right. it sounds like cuz I thought I was yeah, expecting you guys that. to say not hundreds like oh yeah for a full day we may come back with a thousand shots no. and then we we no color way. you said hundred <laughs> like yeah. that's like you're really I'll looking you, at each shot you're shooting like you shoot film right Yeah, yeah. so I'll I'll give you an example we went to um, Canada that was our last trip for mm-hmm. four days or five days I think or was it five days I think five I think it was five, five days yeah. I did not, I did not fill up one thirty-two gig card. I didn't either. Yeah, no. nowhere near. No, we weren't even close. Yeah. It was about maybe sixteen gig or so. Wow. Is, is that because you're shooting like with a two megapixel camera or <laughs> <laughs> with an iPhone? Yeah. <laughs> your, your iPhone. <laughs> Hello. We just use those Polaroid cameras where the photo comes out. You know, it's already there you go. shake it a little. Like a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very particular about what what photos we keep. So we'll take a couple of shots, test shots, and if we don't like those, we'll, we'll delete them. And then when we set up a camera and take a shot, usually we we can we'll take three or four or five different compositions of something. But the exposure, the bracketing, everything, the histograms, everything is perfect in the shot. So there is no need for us to guess yeah. at anything. I love that. Uh, well, Verena, you mentioned issue. at the beginning that you are that you your landscape and wildlife, right? No, wilderness. Wilderness. Okay, what's the difference between landscape and wilderness? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of syllables, right? I, I guess so. I, I think we we originally started taking think about landscapes and wildernesses because people kept asking us, 
Oh, you guys shoot landscapes in my house on the back it's of my not, house. Can you? We're talking about yard. Yard landscaping. <laughs> oh, like, no. Seriously? <laughs> so, but yeah. then if we say wilderness, they think we said said wildlife. So if if we say wilderness photographers, they think we're wildlife photographers, and if we say landscape photographers, I think they think we're creeping around in their backyard, like that taking is... photos of their their pink flamingos or something. So. You know that that might just be the your audience self. Segmenting itself. <laughs> <laughs> the so people that maybe, think you're shooting in their backyard probably yeah, are target actually, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've had actually, we have actually had people say that. Oh, so you, you, do you do the landscapes too? Do you like put the bushes in? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, wow. Not um. You should just go with that. You should say yeah, yeah. And lately, I'm having problems keeping my my leaf blower filled with gas. Right. Right. Well, the biggest problem is the the lawn gnomes. They're everywhere. They, they keep multiplying. Those those gnomes are everywhere. <laughs> those garden gnomes. No, but right. um, yeah, maybe maybe I should just go with nature photographer and there you go. Call it a day. Nature, nature covers everything. That's but right. then you know, arguably, even cities are nature because. We built them, and we were Don't built there, by nature. Oh, I'm just saying. All right, human nature. <laughs> the whole planet is nature. You know, I'm everything on it. Portraits are nature like too, right? Pictures. You're making this very complicated. You know what? I quit. That's I it. I'm like, no longer click. a photographer. From now on, I'm gonna work at Starbucks. There you go. There you go. Which is also Over. natural, by the way. I'm just... <laughs> All right, guys, so let's move on to this next thing. So I've got how to prepare for an upcoming trip. So we're all the other stuff of planning it, all that's done, it's the night before or weeks before. What Do you guys have like an online checklist on, on you know Google Docs, or how do you keep track of all the things that you need to bring with you so that you don't forget anything? You're not there, and you're like, Jay, did you bring the battery charger? No, I thought you brought the battery charger. <laughs> How do you avoid yeah, it? You know what we do when that happens is we get on the iPad and we start going, okay, let's see, Google the nearest goal? Best Buy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. We, you know what, we do this so frequently that um, it's, it's kind of just in our heads. I think for me, packing, uh, maybe Jay's different, but when I pack my stuff, when I start putting everything together, I know where everything in my bag is supposed to be. In fact, I've gotten to the point where if I pick up my bag and my my 10 to 22 lens is missing and that's not a very big lens you know i can tell that my bag doesn't weigh enough oh wow and so it's sort of a weird thing i know something's missing and i'll put it back down and be like all right what is it you know and it, and i know what it is so yeah but but like by that. you saying that that tells me that you bring the same kit everywhere you go you don't have a a yeah. shelf full of stuff that you then pick and choose from based on the mission. You have the same. You have the same bag everywhere. Everywhere you go. For the most part, my my I, I carry a Loca from F-Stop. It's a, a great backpacking bag. You know, it lets me go everywhere. Great for the airports. Great for the trail. Whatever it is. Um, and then of course we we carry our bags. I mean our clothing in a separate bag. Um, but my Loca has all my camera gear in it and um, gloves and hat, um, extra um, waterproof gear and, and stuff like that. So all that stuff is in there all the time because those are things I need for 
almost every trip. And that makes it easy, yeah. so you're not like, okay, what do I need for this Sydney trip or whatever? Right. You just bring things that relate to that particular environment, right? Yeah. So if you're going into the Arctic, you probably want to add a couple of things in there, like some leg warmers or Correct. something. Just a little, <laughs> right. But but those things may not fit in my bag. They're going to kind of have to come separately anyway. Right. Um, right. I may shift a few things around, but really what's in my bag is the absolute core of what I need for any given trip. So Jay, Jay, what about security? You know, this is sort of like overlapping the location selection thing and what to bring. So when you are, you guys are checked into your hotel and you're getting ready for the, the next day, do you bring everything with you out into that location or do you leave some things in the hotel? And if so, how does that work out for you? I mean, are you worried that people are going to walk away with your laptop or, because you know, you're all over the place. You don't know what's, yeah. what's going on. So if you're in a foreign country, that is always a concern for us, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're always worried. So usually when we go to a foreign country or we lead a workshop with, say, the Giving Lens organization or something, we will have a local organization that we would work with and contact. Mm -hmm. And we would talk to them and say, what's your recommendation? Should we leave our laptops in the, in the car or should we leave it in the hotel room or passports or whatever the case or is, is there a locked room or you know a locked area that we can use you yeah. know right so they usually what they do is they supply us with um, some sort of suggested security checklist that when we are on location we follow we give it to our students to follow that as well mm -hmm. and uh, now in the US um, we tend to not leave any valuables other than our computer Mm -hmm. um, in the room. And so you secure that with like a Kensington lock or anything? Or you just like, if they get yeah. it, then... Mm -hmm. Well, usually what we do is that it is, um, they can't get into the data. So it's, mm -hmm. it's password protected, it's locked. Mm -hmm. Now physically... Go ahead. Now physically, we, um, we don't carry very expensive computers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I mean, we, we're not... the person who's going to get $2,300 super thin tablet out there that can do all this band stuff. My computer would probably cost about 400 bucks. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's a working computer. You know, and, that's, that. and that's why, because you know what, if it does get stolen, ah, it's not the end of the world. You know, we have all our data backed up. We back it up regularly. We highly recommend that you back up your stuff, Good point. you know, yeah. because people lose their photos all the time and it is a huge tragedy when it happens so you know to us our, our attitude both of us agree that if you back it up and you don't have crazy expensive equipment with you all the time you know if it gets stolen it gets stolen and you do your best to keep it from happening but if it does happen it isn't the end of the world which leads me to believe that you probably you guys neither of you are probably doing any post-processing in the field or not in the field or in the hotel yeah. room you defer that to when you get back to your proper workstation that's right. Yeah, calibrated proper workstation. Okay. Okay. It all comes down to calibrated monitor where we can see the colors just how we want them to look when they're printed. That's that's critical. So we then why bring that. a computer at all? Why not just bring a tablet or, or work from your phone? So ideally I would love to have one of these Surface tablets that I can dump all my data. The only yeah. reason we bring a computer is in rare event where we can shoot more than 32 gig worth of data we will dump some of them on the computer yeah. and leave it there. The second reason to bring a computer is is to check out the local variable conditions that we mm -hmm. talked about earlier. So sure, you can 
research things on the tablet, but um, when I have a computer, I the screen is larger and I have more controls mm -hmm. and. And and some of these websites are kind of obscure. They're not optimized for tablets yet. You yeah. know, eventually the tablet will be enough, but it still just isn't yet. It's right. just not there um, yet. Yeah, and then there's one other reason why the the computer comes with us, and that is that we have a lot of hours on a on an airplane, and that time we'll spend it um, keywording and um, organizing, maybe deleting a few files that we know we don't want. And you know we're we're working in bridge during that time, and also we're working on ebooks or we're working on articles or blog posts, whatever it is. So you know the computer is is a portable workstation for us. Yeah, yeah, you need that horsepower. Yeah, and yeah. our clients a lot of times will request like we were writing an article for Kelpie Media when we were in Canada. Right. Uh, we had just finished writing an article. Warren and I had just finished writing an article for Kelpie Media, and mm -hmm. I said, "Oh, can you just make this little change?" And can't do that on a tablet yet. Right. Yeah. You know what? I I knew I had <laughs> you know I sent in the article three days before we left to give them those three days to look at it. I knew that that wasn't how it was going to work. <laughs> I was yeah. going to be in Iceland and they were going to say, oh, hey, by the way, can you just send me something? But yes. I had no idea what that something was going to be. And sure enough, you know, and it wasn't a big deal. They could have gone on without it. But it's really useful when you're working with clients, when you're working with, you know, people who expect you to be able to deliver. I want to be able to deliver. That's really important to me. I'm no running excuses. a business. You know, yeah. yeah, I need to be able to say, absolutely, I will get that to you. And if I have to say, I can't get it to you for four hours because I don't have a, an internet connection that can handle uploading a large size image, they can understand that, but at least I responded. And that that's yeah. just key. That's, and that's absolutely. just that's being a good business person. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. So, so diving it, and Jay, you're right. We absolutely have to do a what's in your bag show and just <laughs> show fun. what's in there and just unpack yeah, have you unpack your adjectives exactly <laughs> <laughs> but i have a question a specific question about that um so i'm i'm assuming that you guys make use of gps technology when you're out there um in in as it as it makes sense and most modern phones have gps built into google maps all the stuff so you can you could get around sorry about that somebody's calling me in the middle of the show. You're so um, popular. <laughs> but it was a hangout. Um, so Hello? with that, if if you were out there and you're you're using your phone, you got Google Maps on there, and you're in some location that doesn't have the signal, you know, are are you bringing a regular sort of old school GPS unit with you at any point, or how does? So so let me explain, and I I think Google Maps team needs to listen to this really carefully. Uh oh. So a the, message to Google Maps Google team. Maps, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm on their beta testing program, so I I do some beta testing for them. But the old Google Maps had an ability to select in an area and save that area for offline navigation mode. And when we were in Iceland, we extensively made use of that. Oh. Now, partway through Iceland, they decided to come out with this whiz-bag interface without an offline navigating mode. Mm -hmm. So I deleted the app and reloaded the old one. So they removed features. Oh. Well, it was a big it was a big deal. To their credit, they added it within 48 hours, but doesn't quite work as well as the old feature used to. 
So I think this is one of the things that um, we make extensive use of is GPS because not only do we need to know the location itself, but, but how to get there. Mm-hmm. And majority of the locations we are there, there is no signal. We have been told by GPS systems to turn left as soon as possible, and or you know turn left here, and you're like, but there's a canyon there, <laughs> and then make a U-turn as soon as possible, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> into yeah. the canyon. <laughs> Don't use the forest loop. Not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting better. It's getting better. It is getting better. I was listening to this one story the other day about, um, you know, all the fire that that Apple's maps came under, you know, because of the inaccuracies and all that that they're trying to address. But there was this one recent story where maps were guiding people that were asking for directions to an airport. It was giving them the geographic center of that airport which happened to be a runway and there was a way to get to the runway so people were crossing an active oh, runway that's you know what we actually one night we were driving it was getting late we were heading for our hotel and it tells us to turn left onto this little road and so we're like okay sure no problem we're going up this road and the road was becoming less and less of a road and pretty mm. soon it was really nothing but gravel so we're like well should we turn around but no I mean it clearly says to just keep going so okay so we go a little further and we get to this house which is clearly in the middle of nowhere, Uh-oh. you know. Jason's and, house. And there's oh, this yes, exactly. dog. Yeah. Do you remember that dog, Jay? Oh, my gosh. It was, yeah. it was tied up to a tree right by the road, so close to the road that it could throw itself at our car and uh, almost yeah. under the Whoa. wheels. As we're trying to make this turn on this horrible road in the middle of the Dude. night with, you know, like a cliff on one side, and we're looking at each other like, I'm pretty sure the hotel doesn't like this, you know. That sounds like that sounds like the opening scene to something wicked this way Why comes, starring no, Marina totally, J. Patel. It was totally a horror movie opening scene. Yeah. So, so then we call the hotel. You and guys we're like, were the, oh, the, the dumb us? actors at the beginning of the show that get themselves yeah. killed when the audience yeah, is like, like, "Oh, don't go down going? the road." <laughs> should we keep going? Do you want to get out and pet the dog? No. Exactly. Wait, I hear a noise. I must go investigate it. <laughs> Jay goes off into the woods and leaves Rainer. Yeah, that's it. Where is he? Maybe I should go too. <laughs> Frederick is out there filming yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And of course, Verena, so, you would start running away and you would fall, right? Because right. <laughs> you always have to fall. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Yeah, so yeah, the, uh, the script, GPS horror movie scripts. That's what yeah. <laughs> But there's oh, one yeah. thing you have to terrible. remember about, um, about us is while we use GPS to get to the location and navigate on the roads and maps, um, when we're out on the trail, we seldom use GPS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We um we are actually very good at navigating by landmarks on the trail, both of us. Mm-hmm. And um, not that we, we can't use GPS, but remember, GPS is relatively new technology. I've been doing this for a long time. And the access to the technology wasn't there before the smartphones mm-hmm. came around. It was like you have to carry another piece of gear when your backpack already weighs 30 pounds. Right. Well, yeah. and keep yeah. in mind, too, that if you're out there for long periods of time, your GPS will die on you. You know, it, it only has so much battery life. We carry, um, we carry a compass, which we know how to use. And 
people should know how to use a compass and should have one. You know, that's something that comes up a lot. And, you know, another thing that I think is people just don't think about this, but I think it's really important to point out. If you're out there and you go out before sunset to a location you're unfamiliar with and you're looking at landmarks and, you know, that's what people do. They look at landmarks and that's how you find your way back to the car. We do that all the time. But after sunset, without streetlights, you can't see your it's landmarks yeah. at all you know and yeah. it's not like it's not like in the suburbs or in the city where you can see even though it's the middle of the night no i mean really you can't see yeah. especially kidding. if it's a moonless <laughs> night as well no yeah. moonlight right. nothing yeah yeah and that happens a lot and so you know a lot of times we're telling our students you need to be looking at the horizon line because that's what you're most likely going to be able to see you need to look at the patterns of the horizon look at the way the mountains are are um, shaped, you know, or whatever it is on the horizon. Look for a tree that's distinctive and goes up over the horizon line. Look for buildings in the distance. Sometimes there are some. Maybe a light in the distance. Yeah. And know relative to that object or angle or, you know, pattern, which way you need to go. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, that's invaluable. I can't count the number of times we've been out there with students and they're all saying, I don't know how to get back I'm completely disoriented and never thought that could happen yeah no, but these are yeah. these are fundamental survival and camping skills that any yeah. good we blow boy scout girl scout anything you know you guys will know yeah. how to do that but a, right. a lot of people haven't been through that stuff so right. yeah take a get a book or find some YouTube yeah. videos or something yeah. on camping and how exactly. to survive if you get lost right you know, there was a guy I was talking to a while ago. He said that he got out of his truck in the night um, on, a, on a side road somewhere. He had to go to the bathroom. So he got out of his truck. He, he started walking a little bit away from the road. And he, he, you know, there were big bushes all around. And they saw that just in front of those big bushes was sort of scrubby, scrub land, you know, little bushes all around. Mm -hmm, and so, mm -hmm. so he decided to go past the big bushes, and that's where he was going to pee. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, those little bushes were actually at the bottom of a cliff. That's why they were little. Oh, because no. they were further away, and he fell 40 feet oh. and hit the ground and was completely unconscious. He has no idea how long. He somehow got himself back up the, the cliff thing that he fell off of. He had to walk way down, you know, and then climb up and get back to his truck. And he ended up in the hospital with a with a hemorrhage in his brain. Oh, geez. You know, he's okay. He survived it, but he's darn lucky. Yeah. You know? Oh, see, that's that's scary. Like optical yeah. illusions, because your your brain right? fills in the blank of what it thinks should be there. Exactly. And if it's not exactly. reality, yeah, forty feet down. Yeah. Not so you, gotta, the you have all to all realize that just floating around, and they were just little sheep. Jeffy well, there's that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that people tend to have this impression that nature is their friend, that it is, you know, this beautiful, peaceful thing, and you get out there, and it just, you are one with nature. But you know what? The fact is, nature does not care about you. Mm -hmm. I all. would, I would, yeah, you I know? would agree with you, but I would go so far as to say that nature wants to get you. <laughs> a little bit. There are lots of things in nature that are designed It's not quite that you. bad. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, he's right. You know, the, the animal side of things. That, that, yeah. that, well, plants, brightly colored plants and, and you know, there's all kinds free, of things out there. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, got, I, mean, I have a story a about poison are... oak. I'm not going to go into it, but it was... Oh, uh, I want to hear the poison oak story. Let's just say it should not be used as toilet paper. 
Just say. Oh, you did not. I'm just saying. You know, there's some mistakes in life you only make once. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Okay, guys. So speaking of things that are going wrong when you're you're on a trip, what are some things as photographers that that you, you have had go wrong so that other This Week in Photo listeners can learn from your, you know, poison oak mistakes. disasters. <laughs> well, the good news is we have never used poison oak as toilet paper. <laughs> that Nor- could be bad. Yeah, yeah we yeah. haven't used scorpions as toilet paper, nothing good. like that, no. Porcupines, and if we nothing do, like We're that. not admitting on This Week in Photo. <laughs> hey, I didn't say it was me. I'm just saying, you know. Oh, we thought it was you. That... <laughs> I, would, I, would I had never embarrassed myself like that. Imagery. And so now I, got, I have nothing. No, you got nothing. <laughs> you got about, nothing. The things, about the things go wrong, I think um, yeah. accidents are rare. I mean, we've been, we've been injured and they happen, but in 12 years that we have been there, I think Iceland was probably our worst accident. And describe that. that. What happened? Uh, oh, my gosh. What didn't happen? <laughs> well, you guys made it out, longer. so it couldn't have been all you know that what? bad. <laughs> yeah. No, Iceland, we started out with just horrendous weather. I mean, the worst weather of any trip we've ever been on, ever. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. Ah, that was good. I didn't need to put that on first. Wait, where what? are my sound effects when I need them? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no pun intended. Yeah, um, yeah, so on day four, I think, um, I was setting up a tripod and the I actually was putting it away at that point I turned around and I you know I actually thought I really should hang on to my tripod right now it's really windy and I didn't anyway because sometimes I'm an idiot <laughs> total idiot and the wind took my camera down smashed the uh, the lens kind of made it like bend and ha- break in half it was totally oh, weird um, so completely ruined destroyed for the duration of the trip my wide-angle lens that I use all the time but that was nothing. The next day, um, we get up before breakfast. We go out to um, Yokel Sarlan, which I am definitely mispronouncing. And um, we're shooting. Gorgeous, gorgeous beach. Icebergs floating around in the water and, and you know, sitting there melting. Just beautiful. And Jay's shooting. And I, I'm going to let Jay tell his part of the story at least. So <laughs> take it, take it, Jay. There's nothing to tell. I just felt like going swimming, so I went swimming with my 5D yeah. Mark II and 17 to 40. I I swam a couple of laps around the iceberg and came back, all submerged into the water. And uh-huh. actually, uh, <laughs> a rogue wave um, while I was shooting came up, uh, went past my waistline, knocked me down, and I was in the water a couple of times. Um, had my camera in my hand and everything. My backpack was on me, and everything got underwater. Everything in the backpack survived. Um, mm-hmm. So I highly recommend have stop bags because nothing, no <laughs> yeah, water. That's why. Yeah, no, <laughs> no water got into the bags. All the gear in the bag survived, but my camera. I still have that, and one day we're going to have a show about what a camera sounds like once it has <laughs> half of a beach inside it. Oh, it was floating. And I mean, it, it still sounds wow. like there's uh, sand in there. There's black sand. I mean, it's yeah. beautiful in a horrible, horrible way. If you way. shake it, you can actually take some out. You can put that on like the shelf globe. just as a reminder. Oh, we, we right. have. We have. We'll have to do the whole show about broken lenses and equipment. Yeah. <laughs> and Jay, I got to tell you, you said that was a rogue wave that came at you. 
I would argue that the wave, the wave was doing what waves do. It was, yeah. you know, it wasn't rogue. You were the foreign element on that beach. <laughs> oh, okay, it was a witch. Let's just put it that way. I mean, yeah, it was a rogue witch that was on the beach. A rogue witch that came after me first. Yeah. But that's not even half the story. <laughs> okay, keep continue. This is good stuff. What, ha- so what else I happened? I went, I went and took a break, and I'm drying myself out, and I figured that my camera is ruined, I may as well chuck it and try to take all the water out of it. <clears throat> and Marina, go ahead. So I check on him. He seems okay. I didn't see it happen. Somebody told mm-hmm. me he was he was down and asked if he was okay. So I went, he was fine. He was drying off his stuff. He was, you know, in the zone. Um, so I went back to the beach and I was shooting and um, I was standing near the water line for about half an hour and during that time the water never got past my ankles, you know. So I was I was pretty far back. I was aware that these waves could knock you down. No big deal. And um, a rogue wave, and I am going to call it a rogue wave, <laughs> came in. It went up. Uh, you I know, just called it a wave. It was a big wave. Yeah, it was a big wave. It came up about to my knees, and again, That's no big deal, me. right? Well, then we got uh, a second, very large, not rogue wave. Yes. And. <laughs> Um, you know, what usually happens is the water, uh, as the, the first wave reverses, it takes the momentum away from the second wave, and so it, it, you know, it's much less powerful. Well, that's not what happened. The second wave came in, and the first wave hadn't gone out, and so at this point, it's up past my knees, and then a third humongous wave comes in. Now, keep in mind, I had not, this, the water had been at my ankles for a half an hour, and all of a sudden, it's around my waist. So I'm, you know, I've got camera in one hand, I've got tripod in the other, and I'm like, ah, you know, and wow. no big deal. I, I can swim. I've been in waves like this before. It's no big deal. But all the beautiful icebergs on the beach lifted themselves up and very slowly, very calmly floated up the beach behind me. So I turned around, keep an eye on the big hard things that were floating past me, right. and all three waves reversed at the same time. Now, the power in those waves is beyond anything I can describe. It was crazy. Yeah. And all those icebergs were rushing straight back at me. And so the first one hit me right on my kneecap um, from the it side. So hit just okay. It hit me. It was like being hit by a car. I have never been hit by anything so hard in my life. Jeez. I was underwater. I, I had no chance. I mean, this thing was probably, I don't know, maybe the size of a sheep, you know, big enough to do some serious right. damage. Sure. It's like being hit by a giant rock. It was. And you're in the water in the and it's cold and this is right. ice, right? So, yeah. Right. So I'm underwater, I'm trying to get my camera gear up, trying to get myself up. Somehow, I really don't remember getting out of the water, I'm not sure how I did that, but somehow I dragged myself up out of the water, I'm lying on the beach, I'm blacking out over and over again. Um, and my friend Neil is over there and he's like, hey, do you want some ice? <laughs> like, hey, hey. <laughs> that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> no, oh, God. You should, well, Neil's, Neil's a big fan so of your show, by the way. <laughs> Hi, oh, Neil. Cool. Oh, wait. Hi, Neil. <laughs> anyway, so he saved my life, I swear to you. He, I think he, he kind of pulled me further up the beach. He was, he was giving me um, you know, power bars or something to get me back to being able to Out focus. Out of hysteria? I mean, I, yeah. You know, I wasn't hysterical. I just couldn't. Um, I kept Back blacking out. I, the shock, I guess, was pretty intense. So anyway, I'm on the beach. 
eventually we get up, we walk back to the car, I'm, you know, drying off, taking everything off, we get back in the car, we're heading back to the hotel for breakfast, this all happens before breakfast. You know, we haven't even eaten breakfast yet, for crying out loud, we've already <laughs> ruined two cameras and two lenses and whatever. Anyway, you're so like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to yeah. stamp collecting. Stamp collecting. <laughs> you know what? Stamp collecting is safe. That's true. So anyway, so I'm rubbing my leg in the car, just trying to get the pain, you know, just trying to ease the pain because this was intense pain. And I realized that my upper thigh on my right leg just doesn't feel right. It's sort of the wrong mm -hmm. shape. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, I'm like, you know what? I think maybe I was hit by two icebergs because there's sort of a big swollen area on my right leg. And so we get back to the hotel and, you know, I take off everything and, and I'm standing there looking in the mirror and I have a bruise the size of a cantaloupe on my right knee. I have a bruise the size of a cantaloupe on my upper right thigh. I have Jeez. another bruise on my left ankle and I have a, a fourth bruise on, on my foot. So I was hit by at least four icebergs. You were attacked by a flock of, of icebergs. Icebergs! I, yep. What? You know, okay. Wow. So, yeah, imagine trying to tell the doctor about this. I get home five days later, right, and I've been walking on this horribly painful disaster of a right leg. My left leg really isn't that much better. Yeah. And I go into the doctor's office. I'm wearing short shorts because I don't want to have to take anything off to show him the, the, one of the larger bruises. And I walk up to the desk, and the lady looks up at me, and she's, oh, no, she didn't even look up at first. She just goes, okay, what do you need? What are you in for? And um, I said, um... <laughs> like, I, I got, and because I paused like that, because I didn't really know what to say, she looks up at me and she sees this horrible bruise, you know, and yeah. she's like, she, you know, she crosses her arms and she's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's and like, what's his name? She's like, she's like, yeah, she's like, who did this to you? And you're, you're going to lie to me, aren't you? And I was like, crap, I got hit by an iceberg? <laughs> and she's like, she goes, she goes like this. Well, that's just too dumb to be alive. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, like, exactly. Don't you I let know. go. Don't you let go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, the worst part was she didn't tell the triage guys or the doctor or the the um the X-ray technician. technician, none of them. I had to tell the story over and over and over again to every person I saw that day. I would have wrote like, it. I would have wrote it. I would have been like, okay, here you go. This is what iceberg. happened. Can you fix me? Iceberg. No? <laughs> I don't want to hear it. It was an iceberg, okay? Yeah, I should have just said domestic abuse. It would have been easier. Yeah, yeah it would have been. Then we would have so, had two pe one person on the hangout instead of two. Right yeah, now. exactly. So, and it's not a funny thing, from... you know. I mean, domestic abuse is terrible, but at the same time, yeah, they every single one of them gave me that same look, though. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. So the doctor's like, okay, I want to see your back, and I want to see your shoulders. And I'm like, well, I mean, oh, the icebergs geez. didn't hit me there. And he's like, I, you know, So they basically were calling you a liar at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think they did believe me um, yeah. because I really, th I mean, nobody tells a story that stupid. Yeah, yeah. You know I, mean? I mean, who gets hit by three icebergs? I mean, come right. on, really? Right. Yeah, I mean, if you say you're hit by an iceberg, they're like, well, you're either, you know, I can either believe you or no. So from henceforth, Verena, your name shall be Verena Titanic Patel. Exactly, exactly. No, all my worst injuries has, have happened either near icebergs or one was at Iceberg Lake. Um, what was the last one? I don't remember. Oh, and then one was uh, near um, 
what's the name of the the iceberg in Glacier, Jay? Oh no, it was Glacier National Park near something or other glacier. Which Wait, glacier? You got hit by a glacier. Don't oh. glaciers move I know, real slow? I don't get hit by a glacier. <laughs> no, that's just embarrassing. You just stepped on a rock. How do you get hit? How do you get hit by a glacier? They move like. I pushed her. No, I fell. Off, I fell on. I fell that time. So I've I've had three sort of major injuries over the course of the so the years, I, but. I don't think I have had any. I have. I don't think knock on the wood. I don't have. I haven't had any major injuries on in all the. Okay, years. but can we talk about your damaged gear? There's no damage. I may injure my yeah, body's body, heal. Body's oh heal, Jay. God. They don't, they don't make a dent in your bank account. Gear. <laughs> the gears get sent to Canon service centers. <laughs> no, so, um, but I think what is more important, what is more um, frequent occurrence for us is gears, not damaged gears, but as much as gears malfunction. That mm -hmm. includes damages as well. And we is have malfunctioning in extreme environments, like it's just cold yeah. and the camera is like yeah. not behaving right. normally. Yep. Yeah, or it gets Either. wet, a little mist or something, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you have to let it dry problem. out, or mm -hmm. uh, or even you drop something, or uh, salt water gets sprayed on it and yeah. It, yeah. it stops working. So we've had that happen on um, more than half a dozen of our trips, a different, mm -hmm. including Iceland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if you consider the cost of getting photographs, you'll notice that <clears throat> the major expense for landscape photography is travel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're traveling and higher the cost, the more important it is to have redundant gear. Mm -hmm. So I recommend that if you take a long trip and you go with just one single battery charger or one single lens, and I have known people who have done that, just a friend of ours who did, he went to Death Valley, and they thought he didn't want to bring another lens because it was, oh, maybe two pounds too heavy. And he dropped the one he brought <laughs> right the first day of the trip. And it's over. Doesn't that just and break your heart? Yeah, yeah, it's over. <laughs> yeah. But that's a lesson, right? I mean, that's yeah. like the uh, that's like poison oak. I mean, it's a, you do it one time. And then, <laughs> Never again. And then, that's true. Then you got it. <laughs> the trick is, you know, my brother taught me this. My little brother, he says, you know, it's great to learn from your mistakes. It's even better to learn from other people's. Correct. Exactly. We do poison oak thing <laughs> Yes. That's right. Bad news. Yeah, poison and body parts, not good bedfellows, literally. So I think that uh, my advice to the, the viewers would be that um, consider the cost of the trip. And people will say, well, I can't afford to buy another 5D Mark II or whatever. Um, go and rent one. I mean, go yeah. to borrow lenses, go to lens rentals. Lens rentals, rentals. Rent, yeah. They, um, oftentimes, we will take special lenses from lens rentals on our mm -hmm. trips mm -hmm. um, and um, like tilt shift lens or long zoom lens that we don't usually carry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, before specialty, that Iceland specialty trip, lenses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Before mm -hmm. that Iceland trip, we didn't carry backup cameras because we always figured, well, if Jay's camera is damaged, we have mine. And if my camera is damaged, we have his. You know what? What if they're both damaged? Because that has happened. Yeah. Actually, we, we so, carried yeah, one. Now we always carry one of each. That's true, actually. <laughs> I we forgot had about one that. backup camera between two of us. Now we have yeah. two backup cameras between two of us. Yeah. And, no, I mean um, that makes sense, especially right. if this is your this is your livelihood, and you know you're going to an area that you haven't been to before, and there's yeah. all these one-offs. Yeah. Why not cover yourself? But the the one the one hard to do piece of that is just cost. You know, because mm -hmm. like yeah. it, it's easy to say, yeah, bring an extra camera with you, bring all this extra stuff. 
some people can't afford right. all that stuff and no. they just want to go get some good pictures with what they have. So yeah, yeah. you got to balance that, you know. Absolutely. Or, or I could I could get that wide angle lens, but then I wouldn't be able to afford the plane ticket to go to the place I need to use the wide angle. Right. Lens. <laughs> well, I think you know the fact is what it comes down okay. to is understanding what your camera can handle. Yeah. You know. I, I see so many people standing at the base of a waterfall with all this mist coming at them and their camera's just exposed to that for 45 minutes. Probably that's not a good thing for your camera. If you're standing in sea spray for a long period of time, your camera's not going to like it. If you're standing in the rain, you know, you need to protect your camera from the water, from salt, which is corrosive, and you need to be able to, you know, I, I mean, I see people getting down really close to the sand and kind of hitting it around a lot. Sand gets in everything, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the last thing you want is for it to be in your lens and hear that horrible grinding sound <laughs> that means, you know, service, send it in for service. Yeah, I mean, I shot for a lot of years without um, extra gear. I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have the money to spend. And, you know, especially when you're just starting out, you're not going to spend a lot of money on having a backup camera and all this special gear and all, you know, all the yeah. fancy bags with the with the rain covers. You just need to know what your gear can handle and be prepared to take care of it. You know, yeah. bring a plastic bag. That doesn't cost you anything. That'll cost, you know, I mean, that'll protect your lens. It'll protect your camera. And if if you can't get a shot in the rain, you know, get over it. That's protect right. your camera so that you can get 100 more shots tomorrow. That's right. Yeah, go to Target, buy some sunscreen, and keep the bag, and then yeah. use that as the protector for your camera. Right, right. <laughs> we also recommend going in a group setting as well like a workshop, um, especially our workshops. No. There you go. <laughs> of course. Yeah. No, no, that's, 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 perfect. that's actually... One of the advantages of going in a group setting, and this, is, this happened to us in Iceland, is mm -hmm. we only had one backup camera between two of us. But we, had, we were in a group of six people, and they each had a backup camera. Mm -hmm. So we ended up shooting throughout the entire trip with a friend's camera. Wow. And, and in a they were very generous. That's what's wonderful about photographers. Yes. They're generous, generous and they let you borrow stuff. Yeah. yeah they love yeah. it. Unless and, you're and trying to cross over, you know, and they got Nikon, you got Canon, or, you know, then, right, right. then they get mean. So. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. true. Bunch of grubby Canon hands on my Nikon. <laughs> yeah. So this that was yeah. actually a good segue, guys. So um, thanks for doing this, by the way. This has been awesome and educational. Jay, I'm going to take you both up on a what's in your bag episode slash hangout of, of This Week in Photo. But uh, as we close this off, you mentioned your workshops and all that stuff. Tell us about the workshops and what's coming up next and all that good stuff. So um, we have two workshops that are coming up next year, and there will be more coming up next year. We are still in the planning stages. But the two that we are going to go lead is one is in Nicaragua through the Giving Lens Organization. Another one is in uh, Hawaii. Um, the Hawaii already has a waiting list, so well, if people want to sign does. up. That, that doesn't mean it's full. That doesn't it mean doesn't it's, full. Mean it's we, full. We're not taking registrations yet, but we do have a waiting list. So if you're interested in it, email us, let us know, and we'll we'll get you on our waiting list and go from there. Okay. Yep. So, so, um, so it is it is in pre-planning stages, and it will be it will be up. So what we'll do is we will uh, we have more people interested in than necessary and we'll send out an email blast to everybody saying it's up. You guys can register and uh, once it's full, it's full. That's smart. So you're going to gauge demand before you actually say that this thing is ready and for the people that have opted into the list, 
then you'll let they'll be the first come to get to to actually purchase. To be able to, yeah, and I think we want to make it fair to people who are really interested in saying, if you guys are really interested, here it is, rather than if oh I didn't see this for two weeks and I'm sorry, so I said for all of them you guys got notification at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. it'll be fair. So usually it'll be we expect it to be sold out. So where where is this stuff at? You guys have two websites. Which is the which is the website that people should go to <laughs> yeah, mine. to keep up with this stuff? Mine. No, mine's better. Mine's a newer one. Remember, it's mine. it's beta tested, up and coming. So if you want content, go to Verena's site. If you if you want the better looking cool site, website. go to Jay's yes. site. <laughs> My website is uh, jpatelphotography.com. And mine is uh, photographybyverena.com. It's right there on my little lower third, if you can see that. If you're watching this video, if you're not watching, then jot that down or come to thisweekinphoto.com and there'll be a blog post with all these links there <laughs> for you guys to check out. <laughs> this is perfect, guys. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind, Rita, last time you gave me, yeah. I think you gave us a, uh, what was it, presets or something that we shared out with the with the listeners. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what I would love to do if you if you guys are up for it, just a little checklist that we can put in the blog post of what to bring oh, with sure. you. Just like just like some must have things, you know. Yeah, we can do that. You, yeah, you're going on. And this is for me actually. So if you're <laughs> going on a trip and you want to make sure you don't forget the right stuff, you know, just go and check yeah. out what you guys have. Sure, we can do that. Or make a blog post and I'll just link to it. How about that? Yeah, and uh, post. Absolutely. For people who are more interested in more in-depth, finding out more in-depth about what kind of research we do, um, we recommend uh, there's a webinar. Um, we have one of the webinars, uh, first um, first in the series of IHDR webinars. If they want to go through that, um, there'll be a list of all the research we do, as well as how we use filters and a bunch of other mm -hmm. good information. Awesome. awesome. You guys are just a wealth a wealth of information presented in a nice package. I love it. Aw, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Am okay. I the nice package or is he the nice package? I'm the nice You guys are two I'm halves cool of a whole now. So there is no <laughs> A. Go there. <laughs> That's awesome. You guys are awesome. All right. Well, cool. Well, thank you again for coming on this episode of This Week in Photo. You guys have made my day with all this travel stuff and like I said every every time I talk to you guys I get a little bit I get excited and depressed cuz I'm excited <laughs> about all the possibilities and I'm depressed about I'm never going to catch up to them all the places uh, that they've been and are going and all that you know it's just come to Hawaii with us we'll go let you shoot lava we'll take you to shoot lava I don't know yeah. you guys have you guys have rogue waves and angry icebergs chasing you long. <laughs> So it's, it's both hot and cold. Everything. Yeah, and witches, <laughs> and you're and you're going to like haunted mansions by yeah, GPS. By <laughs> a crazy dog, Cujo's. <laughs> we need a little scary music soundtrack. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate All right. it. Thanks Thank for having you. us. You're welcome. Have a good night. All right, that was Jay and Verena Patel. Be sure to check out their work over on their websites at jpatelphotography.com and photographybyverena.com. Okay, that brings us up to the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Remember, you can keep up with everything in the TWIP universe. Just head over to our website at thisweekinphoto.com. Also, please join our community over on Google+. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, please circle me on Google+. And with that, 
It's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.